Hi there, I'm Al. Welcome back to the Lore Research Lab, and if you're new here, welcome to the Lore Research Lab, where I ramble about Nintendo video games. This is the 91st log, and a continuation of the 6th rant, focusing on Pokemon. It's been a while, folks. Today's thesis, what are flying-type Pokemon, and how can we understand them? It's time to deep dive, folks. Here is the obligatory disclaimer for every Pokemon rant. Um, please refer to the Lore Research Lab reference episodes if you need to check out episodes related to Pokemon that are particularly helpful for background. For example, there's an episode that talks about Pokemon typings in general. Um, so please check out the Lore Research Lab reference episodes, which will give you a list of helpful Pokemon episode listens to. Pokemon episodes to listen to, rather. Um, but specifically, if uh, you want to just know the specific episodes to listen to, check out Season 2, Episode 2, and then the episode that focuses on Pokemon typings, also in Season 2. Now, you could listen to the first uh, entry of this little rant series, um, which discusses fighting-type Pokemon. It just kind of reiterates preliminary details about things talked about in other episodes if you do want a slightly more summarized version, so you could just check out the beginning of that episode um, to get a sense. Um, but... Uh, as always said with these rants, I can't provide too much preliminary information and context since there's a lot of other episodes that do that, and I don't want to be too repetitive. It's a constant issue I run into. Now, uh, here's the thing that I will always cover, though, because you'll have heard this in every Pokemon rant, Pokemon rant uh, focusing on the typings, if you have been listening to them all, which is that there are 18 types currently in existence. Each have weaknesses. Um, some are very strong against others it's a uh, weakness strength balance type of thing some specific ones have immunities um and so forth uh and with these rants of course i'm just trying to establish some patterns discuss observe you know what are these pokemon like what can we what's the gist of these typings on an individual scale you know um and it's just uh, general thoughts at the end of the day you know it's, it's a rant so you know it's not like i'm I'm reinventing the wheel or anything, but uh, very quickly, I'm going to do a general overview of flying types right now, flying type Pokemon, and then in the next section, I'll get into some more technical information. It requires me to use my brain. So what are flying type Pokemon? So flying type Pokemon, I think, are best represented by the bird faction that comprises this particular section of Pokemon zoology. Now. There are a lot of examples I'd like to talk about when it comes to flying-type Pokémon, and I purposely didn't include as many birds as I could have because just as there are- the previous rant was about bug-type Pokémon. Now, a lot of bug-type Pokémon typically have the, secondar the secondary typing of being a flying type, so um, this would be an extremely long episode if I were to talk about every bug-flying Pokémon in existence and then every bird-like Pokémon in existence. We'd be here for quite a while. Um, you know, with that said, you know, not, not all birds fly. You know, um, so there's definitely the flightless birds are represented as well. Um, but funnily enough, there's some like flying, like there's some bird-like Pokemon. I'm thinking of one specific one off the top of my head that's not actually a flying type in any way. And I'm like, that does make sense because it is flightless. But at the same time, it's like it looks like a bird, but it's not associated with what we think 
would be associated with birds. You know, it's like that kind of conundrum, I suppose. It's a personal confusion thing, I don't know. Um, but, you know, not all, not every bird-like Pokemon uh, flies. And then not all Pokemon that fly are birds, such as bat-like Pokemon. And then, of course, like I said, the many bugs that exist. Um, and, you know, uh, for, like, words... I'd say, like, with some legendary Pokemon, for example, some examples I'll talk about later, it's, like, the way that flying is introduced into, um, as a, as a type for that Pokemon. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it's, like, ah, a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, but, you know, whether it's got wings or not, chances of it is it's closer to being a flying type. But even there, there's quite a, like, okay, actually, that's not entirely true. I don't want to say there is a wide variety when it comes to flying-type Pokemon. Um, it's just that where you do get variety in typing outside of what is normally paired up with flying, because there are some very common Pokemon that are always paired up with the flying-type, outside of that, flying-type uh, flying Pokemon are actually quite interesting. But as a personal note, again, I just think of birds immediately when it comes to flying type Pokemon, even though there's many other flying type Pokemon that aren't just birds. Um, but again, that's that's just me, because like birds are like, for me, the premier species that represent flight itself. So I don't know, it's just what comes to mind first, but that's really all you need to consider when it comes to flying type Pokemon and what they are. They they fly. If you really had to boil it down at the end of the day, they, they fly. So. Uh, with that out of the way, it's time to get into some more technical information. So, as with I, uh, as I do with every rant, I'll begin with a damage chart, which uh, establishes uh, flying-type Pokemon's strengths and defensive points, um, and things like that. Uh, this has been, uh, there's links in the description, uh, for all the stuff that I'm talking about in this episode, so please check it out, because I'm going to read, uh, a passage from the, from, from the link this chart comes from. So, quote, from Generation 2 onwards, so we're talking 1999 onwards in the games, flying-type Pokémon are not considered grounded for effects that affect grounded Pokémon, which includes entry hazards. Now, entry hazards, it, it's worth uh, making a quick note about what entry hazards are. So you have damaging moves, you have non-damaging moves, you have status-inflicting moves. Um, in Pokémon game-playing, there's a wide variety to the kind of moves that you can encounter. Um, all with different purposes, some with more strategic value than offensive or defensive value. Um, entry hazards, I believe, fall into that category because uh, entry hazards include moves such as spikes, toxic spikes, uh, stealth rock, uh, stealth rocks. So those are like three my, my three go-to examples uh, for entry hazards. So spikes, what happens is that if a Pokemon uses the move spikes, then anytime the opponent is switching out their Pokemon to someone else on the team, then uh, what happens essentially is the Pokemon that's now switched in takes damage from basically stepping on spikes. It's like, it's the same like kind of mentality or ideology as if you were to step on Lego, that would really hurt, right? Um, it's kind of like that, but like pointier. I think you get the gist. Toxic spikes, however, there's an added effect to this entry hazard just because uh, with um, 
toxic spikes is that unlike spikes if you do the exact same thing where you're switching out a pokemon and you land on a toxic spikes you get the additional effect of being poisoned so you won't take damage immediately but now your pokemon has incurred the poison effect and poison is a status uh, affliction it does passive damage if not healed so uh that's the problem with toxic spikes and then with stealth rocks um the catch with stealth rocks is it's basically the same as spikes but the um kind of catch is that uh if a flying type pokemon is sent into battle they take even more damage from uh from that because it's weak to it um so uh it's a very unique entry hazard because it can affect all pokemon regardless if they're flying or not um and deals more damage when that pokemon is switched in depending on its type in a sense so if uh because stealth rock is a rock type move that's another thing right so stealth rocks if uh a pokemon that's quad weak to rock is being sent in it's not going to take that stealth rock very well when it's switched into battle. Um, the same goes for, uh, yeah, so anything that's quad weak or even just normally weak to the, the, the move, sorry, the typing of rock. Stealth rocks is a very bad situation. Um, so just to continue on with this discussion on flying type Pokemon, if they lose their ungrounded status by methods like holding um, an iron ball, which is an item, or being under the effect of moves ingrain from generation four onwards, ingrain uh, uh, forces Pokemon to stay in battle as they heal, I suppose, gravity, smackdown, or thousand arrows, they also lose their immunity to ground type moves. So here's the thing with flying types that I'll just get right out of the way. They're immune 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 to ground type moves so um having this is i think like i don't know if i've talked about a type before that has an immunity but uh i feel like i don't think i have no oh well yeah okay technically i have i think yeah okay whatever the case flying type pokemon are immune to ground type moves so that's really good if a typing has an immunity i see that as a plus um uh, but yeah, so holding uh, the ring target item makes them lose their immunity to ground type moves, but keeps them ungrounded for other effects. So the thing with flying type Pokemon is, as said before, spikes and uh, toxic spikes won't affect a flying type Pokemon. But because Stealth Rocks is a rock type move, it will affect a flying type Pokemon. So that's just something worth considering. Now for the damage chart itself, um, flying type Pokemon are super effective against bug type Pokemon, fighting type Pokemon, and grass type Pokemon. Uh, the types that resist flying type moves include uh, electric, rock, and steel. Um, flying Pokemon resist what it is super effective against as well. So bug fighting and grass uh, type Pokemon only do uh, half damage uh, to a flying type Pokemon. And what's super effective against uh, flying type Pokemon is electric, ice, and rock. Um, so the thing with uh, flying types is their weaknesses are pretty realistic, you know? Because if something is up in the air and it's pelted by ice or it's shocked by electricity or rocks are thrown at it, um, that's like it, it, it checks out. Um, and then what they're super effective against also checks out because something that's a fighting type we typically associate with maybe the more humanoid or anthropomorphic like Pokemon, for example. Something that's stationary, stays on the ground and has no mobility other than moving on land can't really do anything against something that flies at the end of the day because something that can fly can always find 
a way to attack from a different vantage point and also get away. So it's like that kind of makes sense with real life. And then bug and grass, it's like that also makes sense. Um, now, just to be clear, you know, if something's a bug flying Pokemon, then uh, it's it doesn't resist flying in any way just because it shares the typing. It's still very much weak to flying, despite also being a flying type, because flying does normal damage to itself. Yeah. Um, so, th th there you go. Um, I think flying types, in a sense, are balanced offensively and defensively because it has three weaknesses and then three types it's super effective against, so that's a pretty decent balance because if something has anything more than four weaknesses, that's when you're starting to get into some tricky territory because um, then it becomes harder to mediate those weaknesses and since there are so many Pokemon in existence with more than one typing, four, it, that becomes tricky territory, but flying kind of gets away with it with just having three weaknesses. So specifically from this standpoint, um, uh, flying type Pokemon are pretty viable, but there is very much like a, a catch to this. Um, there's a not so much a silver lining as there is a caveat where flying type Pokemon are not overpowered in any sense just because they have a bit more of an even balance of what it's super effective against and what it's weak to. Um, so, and this actually comes down to numbers. So here I'm going to talk about uh, stats. So a fully evolved flying type Pokemon has on average the following stat spread, and this is an average, this is not all flying Pokemon in existence, but here are the numbers. So it's hit points, or health points as I like to call it, um, averages out to 80.90, 80 80.9, then its attack stat is 91.91, its defense is 78.35, its special attack is 91.18, its special defense is 81.05 and its speed is 94.56 which brings us to a stat total of 517.95 so the thing with flying type pokemon though is uh, i created a chart to kind of compare it to other typings based on overall stat spreads so the so it's basically comparing the average fully evolved Pokemon's stats based on that typing and just creating a bunch of different rankings and stuff. So uh, flying type Pokemon rank 10th overall out of all typings. And considering that there's 18 in existence, this is about like midway give or, or no, it's yeah, not Well, yeah, it's slightly about midway, right? It's not ninth, but it's not 11th. So it's kind of at a bit of a midpoint in terms of the rankings. It's not terrible, but it's also not great. Um, now it's hit points and attack rank in 11th place, uh, out of all typings, making this Pokemon, or making Pokemon with this typing not extremely strong in physical attack compared to maybe other typings, uh, nor can this Pokemon really take hits because, uh, what I'm about to get into is that, uh, the worst overall stat that flying ranks for is 16th in defense, um, and Again, because there's 18 typings in existence, 16th is very low. Um, now, the thing with defense, though, is if a Pokemon has high defense, but maybe not the greatest HP, defense can mediate that problem and vice versa. So if a Pokemon has high HP, but maybe not the best defense, at least you have a lot of health to work with. And then, like I just said, for defense, the defense can be high, HP can be on the lower side, so it can still mediate that, that weakness it has in that stat. But the problem is, is that because flying type Pokemon typically don't have the best HP, nor do they have great defense. Um, they 
they just are not really able to take hits very well so that's one of the biggest drawbacks i think about flying type pokemon however flying type pokemon do take the crown for being the fastest typing overall based on these calculations based on these on the kind of stat comparisons i've made they rank first in speed so they are typically the fastest type of Pokemon you can come across in the game. So as a result, Flying-type Pokemon typically occupy the Glass Cannon category. And that's a term that's thrown around in video gaming lingo a lot, where if something's a Glass Cannon, it basically means that it's really strong in certain capacities, but is very easy to take down. So it'll do, you know, damage or something, or it'll be good in a certain capacity, but then it's just not gonna last. It's not really made to be the best. So that's where flying type Pokemon, I wouldn't say are mediocre, but are kind of on the middle ground for how viable they are when it comes to battling, just because being a glass cannon is not amazing. It's still something, but again, it, it, de it always depends on what the kind of drawbacks are of uh, the typing, the situation, the circumstance and whatnot. So with this kind of technical stuff out of the way, it's time to get into flying type Pokemon examples and some other stuff. All right, now that I've gone over technical information, um, and, you know, so that, you know, about some, some bits about the flying type as a battle viable type, it's time to talk about some Pokemon examples and then to move on to Pokemon moves. So the case studies, which will be the Pokemon in question, um, are categorized into three different categories. You have your pure flying type Pokemon, your primary flying Pokemon, and your secondary flying Pokemon. So Pokemon can have a maximum of up to two types. Um, primary is meant to indicate that flying is the first of the two types, and secondary is meant to indicate that flying is the second of the two types. Pure flying means it's just a flying type. So kicking off the list for pure flying type Pokemon is Tornadus. Both its incarnate and Therian forms introduced in Generation 5. So Tornadus, um, we'll talk, let's talk about the, the forces of nature for a little bit. So the forces of nature were legendary Pokemon initially introduced in Generation 5, um, including a later edition introduced in Generation 8 in Pokemon Legends Arceus. So in total, we have four forces of nature, each have Having actual roots in some real life mythology, which serve as the basis for the designs for their incarnate forms, but also their Therian forms. Incarnate shows them in a more genie like state, um, with a more kind of, you could say, anthropomorphic musculature and build, um, and floating on clouds, all four of them. But their Therian forms are more individualized and more closely associated with the element that the Pokemon themselves are associated with. So in the case of Tornadus, its element is air. Now I forget for the actual like deity that it's based off of what like, you know, what that's supposed to represent, the symbol of it. I forget the specifics of it. I'm just here to talk about Pokemon. Um, but basically, Incarnate Tornadus is, like I said, floating on a cloud, has that anthropomorphic uh, build. Um, uh, but its theory and form resembles a bird. So, uh, you know, it's when I was saying that lots of Pokemon are bird-like, I wasn't kidding. You know, there's just, there's a lot of birds. We're going to be going over a lot of birds today. And then, see, the interesting thing with pure flying type Pokemon is there are only, and currently, three 
pure flying type Pokemon in existence. And two of those pure flying type Pokemon actually come from the same evolutionary line. So moving on from Tornadus, we have Rickety, which is a pure flying type introduced in Generation 8. Now, Rickety, I can't really say, is an extremely memorable regional bird. Now, you might be asking, what's a regional bird? I think it's more of like a kind of casual, colloquial term that's been thrown around a lot. Um, but it may as well just be official terminology. But or maybe it is official terminology, I, I don't even know my stuff, but here we are folks. The regional bird, in my opinion, is just meant to indicate a bird-like Pokemon you are likely to encounter extremely early in your Pokemon game-playing journey, or encounter basically right off the bat at the very beginning of the game. It's like among the first three you can ever find in the entire game. So there's a high chance that it will end up on your team because flying-type Pokemon are pretty useful aside from their very glaring weaknesses, um, or, or rather the fact that they can't take a hit. Aside from that, flying Pokemon are extremely useful, um, and I have definitely been the kind of person that if there's a bird, it's going on the team. Like, even if it's not even the best bird to have, like, it's not even, like, there's other bird Pokemon to use, or maybe other more battle-viable, um, flying-type Pokemon to use, I, I end up with the bird. It's just always, always a bird, always bird gang, you know? Um, but Rickety is just, it's, it's very round. I'll give it that. Um, but can't say it's extremely memorable. It's like yellow, black, and blue. Um, although the yellow's completely gone when it evolves into its middle stage known as Corvusquire. I find Corvusquire to be a solid middle stage Pokemon. It's got a really nice kind of, um, mesh of blue and black. So it really stands out. And because these are among some of the older Pokemon that are brought back into Paldea, so brought back into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, um, you see these Pokemon in the overworld. And it's actually quite wholesome because you typically find Pokemon roaming around in the overworld, sometimes in groups. So basically there'll be an evolved form of the Pokemon and then it will be their first forms circling around them. So for example, you'll have Pokemon like Fanpy and Dawnfan together, Dawnfan being the final form. In this case, you have a rookity, a bunch of rookity with a Corvusquire. Almost like it's leading the flock, and I find that really wholesome. So I'd say these Pokemon have personally become more memorable for me just because of the new games, like for because of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I otherwise don't think much about these Pokemon specifically, and really only think about their final form, who I will talk about in a second. So kicking off the primary flying uh, Pokemon list, we have Noibat and its evolution known as Noivern. Um, which are flying dragon Pokemon introduced in Generation 6. So it's not the first time we've had bat-like Pokemon introduced, but I'd say Noi Noibat and Noivern have a really cool gimmick where they're like these sound-based bats. Um, and, you know, bats are among the living beings that use echolocation or a version of it. And I think that's a really cool... Uh, a really cool aspect to have because there's even something called sound-based moves that a Pokemon can learn. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. So, um, I mean, my only thing with Noibat and Noivern is just that, I mean, Flying Dragon, it's super weak to ice, so that's really not ideal. It's a very fast Pokemon, but I don't think it can take hits very well. Um, and Noibat evolves into Noivern quite late, which is a general problem with Flying, well, sorry, with Dragon-type Pokemon. It's just that they don't evolve early, so usually you don't really get to enjoy like actually using their fully evolved forms not until like 
towards the end of your game playing experience in a given Pokemon game. So that's like the only drawback. But otherwise, pretty solid Pokemon. I think Noibat's cute. And then Noivern, I also think, has a really solid design. Then Corvusquire, uh, Rickety's, uh, Corvusquire's evolution, and then Rickety's final form is Corviknight, a flying steel Pokemon. And uh, so Corviknight, I really like this Pokemon. It basically combines the blues, the dark, like the, it's, it's not a dark blue, but it's a very kind of washed blue. It's a bit on the darker side, this blue and black coloration that Corvusquire has. Um, Corviknight basically combines the two colors to make it this very deep, dark indigo blue. I think its only pronou other pronounced kind of colors are the red eyes it has, because otherwise Corviknight is like this extremely dark colored Pokemon in the sense that like it just looks like the like night itself. It's actually a really cool thing, because when you see this thing flying around in the overworld, it's actually quite menacing, because it's just that pure like indigo black color, so it's only got the one color going for it but i really like this pokemon i think the typing is pretty cool because it's i think the first one to have flying as a primary type partnered with steel because we've had like skarmory's a steel flying pokemon we've had that pokemon before so the typing itself is not new but having flying being the primary i think this is the first time they did it with the, with this type pairing so corviknight it's a solid bird um uh Partly because of that unique typing, it mediates its weakness to ice, for example. Um, I just think it's pretty cool. I really like it. And I used it as well. That also helps. I used it, so it's, it's, it's personal. You know, it's personal for me. Now, the last two Pokemon to discuss for the primary flying uh, type category is uh, are, are, are two new birds introduced in uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so Generation 9. So first up we have, I want to say this name is Bombardier and not Bombardier, because for some reason Bombardier does not feel as entertaining a name to me. Bombardier somehow feels interesting. So um, Bombardier is a flying dark Pokemon, and I can't even say it's extremely memorable, but the one thing this game does for it is it makes it one of the Titan Pokemon. So in Paldea, you have three main stories that you can play through, um, all of which need to be completed. One of them being the titans of legend or whatever it's called path of legends there we go um and in the path of legends there's these five titan pokemon that you need to defeat they're all supersized versions of the original pokemon they're derived from so basically you'd fight a giant bombardier up on a mountaintop it's actually really cool i like how it was done it's called like the flying titan or something i forget its official title in the game um but it's it's genuinely intimidating really encompasses its typing um and uh like i can i can really only say though personally for me that that's the only reason it's memorable because i don't know that i would have kept track of this pokemon if not for it being a titan and then lastly we have flamigo which is a flying fighting pokemon so um flamigo unfortunately suffers the bird problem and that is it being is that it looks exactly like what it's based off of so it doesn't feel very it's not even about it being a pokemon or not it's just that it's it's a flamingo its name is also one letter off from being flamingo it's flamigo it's an entertaining name for sure but um and that typing flying fighting is pretty unique um it can learn fighting type moves which is then super effective against rock type pokemon and rock is super effective against flying so i'm like that's actually pretty good for type matchups but Flamigo? 
I guess it leaves an impression by just being a flamingo, because I'm like, there's there's another Pokemon, another bird Pokemon that actually suffers from this problem, and that is um, Toucanon, which is introduced in Generation 7. It's a normal flying type Pokemon. Um, Toucanon is just a toucan. It looks like a toucan. It is a toucan. Flamingo's the same. It looks like a flamingo. It basically is a flamingo. Um, but... I suppose it's not bad. So, now we have a slew of secondary flying-type Pokémon to discuss now. There's a bunch. A whole bunch. Um, so, kicking off the list for secondary flying Pokémon is Charizard, a flying, a fire-flying Pokémon introduced in Generation 1. If you don't know... If you don't know Charizard... I don't know what rock you've been living under, but... I'll kindly remove that rock for you for now and tell you that Charizard is probably one of the most among one of the like heavily marketed Pokemon um, in the games particularly um, you see a lot of Charizard if you've played a lot of Pokemon you've, you've seen a lot of Charizard that's just basically a given um, Charizard's a solid Pokemon it's had many different forms across uh, the games across generations um, it's it's one of the most memorable starters in existence. I think it's basically the one that everyone chose when they played through any of the games that were set uh, that were set in the Kanto region. So it's like Charizard's just one of those Pokemon. It looks like a dragon. So basically, people are like, "Why isn't this a dragon type?" And I think I, I forget who at Game Freak or Pokemon. I forget who kind of made this comment, but I think someone from the team behind the game said that basically not every Pokemon is going to have the type that you kind of associated with um because it can be both it can look like something but it won't necessarily have that typing and i guess that's a fair argument and charizard did actually get versions of it being a fire dragon anyway so i'm like i guess everyone's happy in a sense next up is butterfree which is basically the premier bug flying pokemon introduced in generation one it's like the poster child or the poster pokemon for bug flying bug flying is an extremely common pairing and it's a terrible type pairing Let, let's just be honest this is a rant i'm expressing personal opinions here i mean no offense but bug flying is a terrible pairing. It's weak to so many things. It's weak to fire. It's weak to rock. It's quad weak to rock. It's weak to ice. It's weak to flying. It's weak to its own typing. It's, um... Uh, it's just... It's just not a good time. It's just not a good time. Of course, it gets the ground immunity, as all flying-type Pokémon do, but I'm like, it isn't really doing much for it, considering it's weak to so many common typings. And, it, yeah, it's just it's just not ideal in a lot of ways, because, like, bug-flying Pokémon are also made of paper. Like, they just don't take hits very well. So Noivern has, like, Flying Dragon as its typing, and that means it's super, 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 super weak to ice. But a Noivern is still going to take a hit better than a bug-flying Pokemon. But with that being said, I actually do have a soft spot for Butterfree. I used it in a playthrough once, and I don't know why, but it kind of put in work. Like, it actually did pretty well, and I was like, I'm not sleeping on Butterfree anymore. So, uh, I, I quite like Butterfree, actually. I don't know why. It's a really basic butterfly-like Pokemon, but, it, like, it's just a bug. Like, I'm not even a bug person, but I'm like, Butterfree's alright. Then we have the Pidgey line, 
the Pidgey Evolutionary Line, which is the premier normal flying Pokemon um, introduced in Generation 1, as well as Butterfree and Charizard. So Pidgey evolves into Pidgeotto, and Pidgeotto evolves into Pidgeot. Um, they are pretty plain normal flying bird Pokemon. They are not my personal favorites. I've definitely used other regional birds over them. Um, but they are worth mentioning because you see so much of them. Um, Pidgey's, like, I wouldn't say it's been rehashed as many times as a Pokemon like Charizard, but I feel like you see a lot of Pidgey as well. Like, even if you have your own regional bird for that specific region, one way or another, you're gonna find a Pidgey. I don't know. It just feels like that. I just get that impression. And then next, we have the Zubat line, which um, are poison-flying Pokemon introduced in Generation 1 and the final evolution introduced in Generation 2. So the first two Pokemon which were introduced in Generation 1 are Zubat and Golbat. Zubat and Golbat are just really like kind of notable or very memorable bat-like Pokemon, especially because they have the huge gaping mouths. So Zubat doesn't have any eyes, it just has its mouth and it's just like, it's like... Basically everyone who's played through any of the old games have fond memories of going into Mount Moon in the Kanto region and being swarmed by Zubats. It's like, it's it's a rite of passage at this point to experience the Zubat swarming. Um, and then Golbat is the one with the huge gaping mouth. Um, it's got eyes though. Um, Golbat's actually a really solid Pokemon. I really like it. Um, and then Zubat, uh, sorry, Golbat will only evolve into its final form, Crobat, um, through high friendship levels. And Crobat was introduced in Generation 2. Crobat is a phenomenal Pokemon. I really like it personally. Then we have Gyarados, the, a water flying Pokemon introduced in Generation 1. So, uh, Gyarados is like known to be this terrible dragon-like being. It's an, it's like, it's in the same camp as Charizard actually, where a lot of people are like, why isn't this a dragon type? And kind of a similar argument carries over where it's like, well, just because it looks a certain way doesn't mean it's going to have that specific typing. So, um, but I mean, I don't personally have any complaints because it's basically like a flying sea serpent. So it's like flying does fit as it's typing. Um, uh, Gyarados is a really solid Pokemon because its first form is Magikarp, which is a pure water Pokemon. Um, its first form is Magikarp, and Magikarp is considered to be among, like, one of the most pathetic Pokemon. But Magikarp is saved by having this killer evolution with Gyarados. So, it, like, once it hits level 20, that's it. You have a really strong Pokemon on your team. Definitely not going to be slept on or anything like that. So, um, that's Gyarados for you. It's pretty cool. It's very full of rage. It always looks very mad. And it also looks like nothing will ever make it less mad. So there you go. Then we have the legendary birds introduced in Generation 1. So before the concept of legendary Pokemon was really being cemented in the canon of Pokemon, these were just extremely rare Pokemon that you could find in Kanto without any really specific lore or history, just that they are kind of there. The concept of legendary Pokemon kind of got further developed in succeeding years, but when these birds were first introduced, they were just kind of like, they're special, but that's really it. Like, it kind of just stops there. Um, they are unique, for sure. You will not find multiple of these Pokemon in the region. There's only one of each, because there's three birds. There's only one of each. But with that said, it's still, um, yeah. So, with the legendary birds, we have Articuno, 
uh, Zapdos and Moltres. Articuno is an ice flying type, Zapdos is an electric flying type, and Moltres is a fire flying type. Um, so the uh, thing with the legendary birds is they actually did get Galarian forms, but I'm going to talk about the f original birds first. So Articuno being an ice flying type, I think it's among one of the most popular ones. Like, one of the most popular birds. It's very elegant, very majestic. Um, the typing itself, not ideal. You know, it's weak to fire, quad weak to rock. Um, so it's not very ideal. Um, uh, that kind of a thing. Zapdos, I think, is easily the best of the three in terms of its typing, because it's electric flying, so it's still weak to electric, but at least it can't get paralyzed and things like that, so it avoids that hindrance. Um, and it just kind of has the standard weaknesses of a flying type Pokemon, because it gets it, it, and it also gets an immunity from ground as a flying type, so that's really huge, where it eliminates the only weakness that electric type Pokemon have. So Zapdos is, I think, from a type standpoint, it's the best of the three. And then we have Moltres, which also does not fare quite well in terms of type matchups, because Fire Flying, just like Ice Flying, is also quad weak to Rock. It's weak to um, uh, Water now. Um, and yeah, just not a great time. I mean, it eliminates the ground type weakness, being a flying type, but I think Articuno and Moltres are in similar positions where they're not always able to kind of mediate that. They're not bad Pokemon though, by any means. They're still really cool. I'd I'd use the birds if I could type of thing, like on one team, just use all three of them. That would be really awesome. Uh, but yeah, they're pretty solid though. I really like them. They have very memorable designs, very true to their elements because they're supposed to be based off of seasons, even though there isn't one to represent, I believe. Is it fall or spring? I forget which season is not being... No, it's like winter or something. I forget which season is not being represented, but whatever the case, um, they're pretty solid, solid legendary birds. But they also got Galarian forms in Generation 8, which is a really cool touch, because uh, I really like their alternate forms, which are also callbacks to their, what are called Cantonian forms. So you have the Cantonian birds and then the Galarian birds, and the Galarian birds are basically just a version of the Cantonian birds. But even with that being said, completely different typings. So I had mentioned with Bombardier and Flamigo before that they are Flying Dark and Flying Ghost, but it is actually not the first time we've had those particular type pairings, it's just the order that's unique. Um, so with uh, Galarian Articuno, it is now a Psychic Flying type, um, and its signature move is called Freezing Glare, but it's a Psychic type move. So I'm like, that's really cool because it's a callback to Articuno being an Ice type originally. So I'm like, that's a really cool touch. Now, I forget the, um, I forget the signature move of Zapdos. Uh, Galarian Zapdos is now a fighting flying type. It's an, it's more like an ostrich now, so it's not a, f uh, it's a flightless bird. Um, cause all three of the legendary birds, Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, all fly. But, uh, now, I, like, I still think that, uh, Galarian Zapdos has still the ground immunity cause it is a flying type, but it's still on the ground, so I don't understand that. Um, but anyways, I really like its design. The color palette is completely, like, all the, the color palettes are completely swapped. So Articuno normally is blue, but Galarian Articuno's purple. Um, Zapdos is yellow, you know, being electri uh, like associated with electricity, lightning, and whatnot. It's yellow. Um, Galarian Zapdos is, like, a brownish-orange. Um, 
it's very cool. Very, it's a different. It's, it has a different feel to it for sure. And then lastly, we have Galarian Moltres, which is dark flying, um, and being a callback to Moltres having fire on its body, um, and being a fire flying type. Uh, Galarian Moltres has these pink flames uh, on its wings and its head uh, to replace the plumes that were originally just pure fire, but it's a dark flying type. So I'm like, that's really cool. I thought that was really interesting. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I actually really like the Galarian birds. I thought they were a really cool touch. Um, and it made, it made me appreciate the birds in general. Like, I'm like, these are really cool legendary birds, and I'm obviously going on for way too long about the legendary birds. So let's move on and talk about Beautyfly, which is a bug-flying Pokemon introduced in Generation 3. It's a butterfly. Okay, next we have the Wingull line, which are water-flying Pokemon, also introduced in Generation 3. So Wingull is a seagull-like Pokemon that evolves into Pelipper. Um... Pelipper is very pelican-like, but it's not a true pelican. It just kind of has that concept of having a humongous beak to store food in. It takes that concept and makes it a bit more boxy. So Pelipper um, doesn't, like, it's very, di it has a very different feel from its first form, Wingle. But they're like, they're all right. They're all right. I like them. And because I played the Generation 3 games a lot, like, Wingle sticks in my mind. Um, then we have Salamence, which is a dragon flying Pokemon introduced in Generation 3. Um, Salamence, its first two forms, Bagon and Shellgon, are pure dragon type Pokemon. Um, but basically kind of the, the story with Bagon is that it would practice jumping off of cliffs in like hopes of one day being able to develop wings and fly. And basically Salamence is that dream come true. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Shellgon's that cocoon-like stage where it's basically in this ball-like form representing that it's it's almost like a bug that's kind of funny um but yeah salamence really solid dragon uh dragon type pokemon i really like it um then we have drift the driftloon line which are ghost flying pokemon introduced in generation four so driftloon evolves into drift blim so driftloon is kind of like a balloon um and drift blim is like a blimp so uh or a hot air balloon a variation on that um driftloon has some very disturbing pokedex entries i think that's one of the most notable things about it where uh it's i i don't even want to go over it it's just it's a whole thing um you should look it up yourself you'll be i don't want to say entertained but you, you're you'll be intrigued you're like why is this pokemon so cursed like what is going on it's just a balloon um, so, yeah. <laughs> then next up we have Gliscor, a crowned flying type Pokemon introduced in Generation 4. So I believe its first form, Gligar, was introduced in Generation 2, but Gligar didn't get another form until Generation 4, hence why I'm talking about Gliscor now. So, uh, I believe also Gligar is like poison flying, so like, Gliscor actually is a completely different typing altogether. Um, so Gliscor is a really solid Pokemon, it's I think, um, it's not like a scorpion, but it's a mixture of something like a scorpion with a bat. Um, really interesting design. I don't know that it's like the most well-liked in design. I personally like the Pokemon. I haven't had many opportunities to use it, to be completely honest, but I really like it. Then we have Imolga, which is an electric flying type Pokemon introduced in Generation 5. So Imolga... Imolga is like a flying squirrel. It's pretty fast. It's really, really fast. But it's also made out of paper. Then, the last three Pokemon I'd like to talk about in the 
end of the secondary flying type Pokemon category are the remaining forces of nature. So first we have Thunderous, which is an electric flying type. We have Landorus, which is a ground flying type. And then we have Enamorous, which is a fairy flying type. So Thunderous and Landorus were introduced in the same generation as Tornadus in Generation 5, and Enamorous was introduced in Generation 8. So, um... Uh, really solid typings. I think Thunderous is the most popular out of the four forces of nature. Um, uh, like I said before, their incarnate forms are all pretty similar. Enamorous is a bit of an outlier because it has this like snake around its neck. Um, uh, let's see, Tornadus is like green and purple. Thunderous is like blue and white. Landorus is kind of this orangey brown and white. And then Enamorous is like pink and white. And then, um, I mean, that color palette is pretty consistent for their Therian forms as well. But Thunderous kind of retains a bit more of that, like, humanoid-like form. It's still levitating, um, but it has, like, fists. It still has that kind of mustachioed look to it. Um, but the cloud aspect of it is much more kind of pronounced. And then Landorus becomes a quadrupedal Pokemon with its Therian form. Um, and not really much else to say about that it's still kind of they're all floating they all still float but um uh yeah so landers becomes a quadrupedal uh pokemon and then enamorous becomes like a like a what is it a soft shell turtle like it looks like a soft shell turtle so the snake it originally had around its neck in its incarnate form now is like on its back on its shell and the shell is also encased by a cloud, but it looks like a turtle. It's a floating turtle. So they're very interesting designs. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I have much to say about that. So let's talk about some flying type move examples. So some moves that are categorized as flying type moves. So first we have Aeroblast, which is a special damaging move, only has 95% accuracy, and it's the signature move of. A legendary Pokemon known as Lugia, which is a psychic flying type. Um, Lugia is so cool. I really like Lugia. Um, Aeroblast is a really cool move. It doesn't. It it's it's very powerful. Only select Pokemon can learn it clearly, but it's like uh, it, it has a chance to miss, and that tends to be the caveat with a bunch of flying type moves, which is they have a chance to miss. It's a bit of a drawback. Air Slash is another special damaging move, also 95% accuracy, but this is a more common damaging move that a majority of Pokemon can learn, whereas Aeroblast is extremely select. Then we have Brave Bird, which is a physical damaging move, and also does recoil damage to the user, so if the bird Pokemon you're using is a physical attacker and they learn this move, it's going to do a good bit of damage, but the problem is, is that it will also hurt the user themselves, so you got to be very sparing with recoil damaging moves, because it'll hurt in the long run. Then we have Aerial Ace, which is a physical damaging move that never misses. So I don't think, because there are moves that can lower accuracy in the game and other things that can lower accuracy in battle, um, but I believe Aerial Ace ignores that. So Aerial Ace will just always hit, but it's not an extremely strong attack. So that's the only thing. Then there's Pluck, which is a physical damaging move, um, but it eats the berry of an opponent if that opponent is holding a berry. So in basically all the Pokemon games, there's a version of giving a Pokemon held items. Um, now held items can do a variety of things, 
but one of those items can also be a berry and berries will activate under specific circumstances so some have all different like they have all different kinds of properties so it's not like they'll all activate right off the bat but basically the common berries that people will tend to put on their pokemon are berries that can heal health during battles so then you don't have to use a turn to give your Pokemon a potion or something like that if your Pokemon's taken damage and you need it to stay alive for the battle. So, for example, Citrus and Orin Berries heal back health. So, um, if... But if you have a Flying-type Pokemon and it uses Pluck, it will eat up that berry. And I, like, I thought that's a pretty cool gimmick. Um, then the next move is Defog. So Defog is a non-damaging move that removes hazards on the field and lowers opponent's evasiveness. So Defog is a pretty good move. So if your opponent has set up spikes, stealth rocks, um, or, or toxic spikes, then Defog removes that from the field. So I thought that's really cool. Um, cause being able to remove hazards can be like a huge thing for battle. Um, then next up we have Feather Dance, which is a non-damaging move that harshly lowers the attack of an opponent. So this is a great, great move. And Pokemon that weren't flying type Pokemon can learn this move. But I think Feather Dance is a really great move because let's let's be honest, most flying type Pokemon can't really take a hit. So lowering your opponent's attacks probably a good idea and then lastly we have hurricane which is a special damaging move that hits pretty hard it does i think base 110 damage it has only 75 percent accuracy but there's a couple things to note about the move hurricane so hurricane has a chance to confuse the target if it hits and it can also hit um pokemon in semi-invulnerable turns of fly bounce and sky drop so fly bounce and sky drop are all flying type moves Fly is a two-turn, like, sorry, they're all two-turn moves. So Fly makes your Pokemon fly up in the air, and then you do the attack on the second turn. Bounce is the exact same thing, and same with Sky Drop. But Sky Drop's supposed to be, like, you pick the opponent Pokemon up in the air, and then you drop them to the ground type of thing. Um, Hurricane can um, hit Pokemon that are up in the air. So typically fly bounce and sky drop if a pokemon is using that move they can't be hit by normal moves but hurricane is one of the few moves that can ignore that so um that's a pretty big deal because you're not safe if you use fly um that kind of a thing now here's the thing a hurricane will never miss if it rains it will never miss and i'm like that's that's really scary um so it'll always and it does 110 damage like that's a lot of damage you know um but it's reduced to 50 percent accuracy in harsh sunlight so if a pokemon uses ring dance and then uses hurricane you're pretty much set hurricane's always gonna land it has a chance to confuse the target like there's all these like other things where it's gonna do a lot and you can get that added effect of confusing the opponent which is always a pain to deal with um or like your pokemon getting confused depending on who's using hurricane but if it's in harsh sunlight then it's like it doesn't have a ch it, the chances of it hitting are even lower than normal so you may as well just not use the move if it's so sunny so sunny day is one of those moves that can enable that there's other abilities as well that could either activate rain or activate sun so there's ways to mediate the power of hurricane but i like talking about moves like that where it's like oh under specific circumstances they're like basically super accurate will always hit does a lot of damage it's like that's not scary at all and on that note, it's time to get to the conclusion.
Okay, so what does this tell us about flying-type Pokémon? Well, I mean, flying-type Pokémon are honestly really cool. It's just, I have found in my experience that there's just such a drawback, um, especially when it comes to the later you get into the game, the the likelihood of you using a flying-type Pokémon just decreases. Like, it, it's a bit of an unfortunate thing that happens. I find that flying-type Pokémon have relatively really good coverage, so it's like, um, uh, because of being, like, super effective against really common typings like bug and grass and then having immunity to things like ground. So let's, let's say you, you have a team with a glaring ground type weakness, then, um, having a flying type on the team is extremely useful to switch in for whatever like strategy you're forming. So I find that flying type Pokemon are really cool and really work in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, with every rant, uh, I usually go over usually like some kind of like not some kind of but basically just some Pokemon that are a bit more subversive in the way that they encompass the typing so they're a bit unorthodox they're a bit different or maybe they kind of shift the battle viability of that typing in the first place in the sense that maybe a Pokemon with this typing is normally not so great but these pokemon show that it can be a great typing um so let me run through a couple examples to some of my favorite bird legendary pokemon Ho-Oh and lugia um Ho-Oh is a fire flying type and lugia is a psychic flying type um these are really really like efficient legendary bird Pokemon. Ho-Oh is much more a bird than Lugia is. Lugia has a bit more, I don't want to say say draconic features, but just that like Lugia's wings are like giant hands, so they don't really make you think about birds, but it's definitely based off of one. Um, and then of course Lugia's typing feels kind of odd because people would think it's it would be a water type to counter Ho-Oh because Ho-Oh is a fire type, but that is just not the case. Um, so the thing with Ho-Oh and Lugia, I mean, I have talked about them, I think maybe in the fire, uh, fire type rant, I think I talked about Ho-Oh there because I usually will find a way to talk about Ho-Oh as well, I think. I really like that Pokemon. Um, Ho-Oh and uh, Lugia are also what are called like trio masters because between in, in the scheme of legendary Pokemon, there's usually a trio and then there will be a trio master. Um, so the thing is, is that uh, Ho-Oh is the trio master for the legendary beasts and the Lugia is the trio master for the legendary birds. This would be excluding the Galarian birds, They're kind, they, they are still their own Pokemon. Um, so Lugia is the trio master for the Cantonian birds. And I feel like that was a bit more of like a, not maybe partially retrospective choice because Ho-Oh's lore in the Johto region is pretty well cemented where it's like this is the like kind of bird of myth or legend that people are more likely to talk about rather than Lugia whereas Lugia feels more connected to Kanto in a way so it's a bit of a disconnect in terms of like how they appear in the game because Ho-Oh and Lugia both come from the same region yet one over the other feels much more connected to the land it's rooted in so a little bit of an interesting phenomenon going on there but i really like them really solid designs both of them have great memorable cries like they just work in so many ways um it, they also like have a very consistent like color palette they're not too messy in how you see them and it's very consistent with also what they tend to embody anyway like Ho being a rainbow hued pokemon type of thing for it to have multiple colors but in a way that's kind of very 
I don't know, it just syncs really well. And then Lugia actually having a very basic color palette. Like, it's just got some blues and whites. That's really it. That, that's all that Ho uh, sorry, Lugia's got going for it. But really great Pokemon. And then we have Rayquaza, which is like the premier dragon flying type. Um, I... So dragon being paired with like another typing is really common with legendary Pokemon. So Rayquaza is certainly not, um, you could say, unique for being a legendary dragon. That's for sure. Um, the dragon type episode is probably the one that's going to have all the legendary Pokemon being talked about there. But Rayquaza is, it's not winged, you know? It's a serpentine um, legendary Pokemon, It, but it's a flying type. So it's, it's just like a flying snake, really. And the very, I guess, I think kind of classic meme about Rayquaza is that it looks like it told a joke and is waiting for your reaction. Like it just has this kind of like goofy, little bit dorky smile. Um, love that for Rayquaza. Really great Pokemon. It's not even like, like, I feel like the standard was for the longest time with legendary Pokemon that they tended to be like really big and larger than life. Rayquaza is just a really like long, tall being. It's not so much like big. It's not a Regigigas or a Groudon or a Kyogre or maybe some other legendary Pokemon that tend to feel humongous. Rayquaza is just, it's, it's, it's terrifying in its own right because anything that flies in the sky can be pretty daunting. I mean, that's why Lugia and Hoa work in my opinion. So I think Rayquaza functions very similarly. And might I add with these legendary Pokemon is because their stats their stat spreads are better than the average even fully evolved flying type pokemon they tend to be able to take hits better than pokemon that share their typings like have like flying as a typing um Ho-Oh less than lugia for sure um lugia is it can take hits for days even for what it's weak to so um, Lugia is great Pokemon for that. Ho-Oh slightly less so, but ho is able to hold up in its own way. And then Rayquaza uh, gets a lot of, I think, move variety. Like, it can learn a lot of different kinds of moves that make it a real menace to deal with. It's, um, when it when it was given the Mega Evolution treatment in, 20, in 2014 with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, the entire post-game is kind of about catching Rayquaza and Rayquaza save, saving the world type of story. And when it gets the alternate form of Mega Rayquaza, it became one of the strongest Pokemon in existence to date. Um, I think it got like... Um, uh, like there's all kinds of rules about using it in competitive play and stuff almost as soon as it was it entered into the meta because of how powerful it was. And I think at the time that it came out, it was the most powerful Pokemon in existence with the form of Mega Rayquaza. It is a crazy strong Pokemon. So that is an instance where you can see flying being pretty good. Then for maybe some more other, you could say, not as you know, larger, uh, some other less larger than life examples. We have Shaman, its sky form is grass flying. It's a really interesting typing, but I think uh, I've talked about the fact that typings like bug paired with a type like flying, it doesn't mediate any of its weaknesses and it even gains other weaknesses. I just thought Shaman's worth mentioning. I really like its normal form. Um, it's a really cute hedgehog-like Pokemon, but with Shaman, it becomes, like, what's its sky form, sorry, it, uh, it becomes a bit more, I don't know how to describe it, it's not quite like a, it's not like a deer, it's more like a, it's more, uh, I don't even know how to describe sky form Shaman, it's, 
I mean, it, it's not that it doesn't work, but I, anyways, I don't know that describing it is necessarily gonna make or break how viable grass flying is as a type, but it's an interesting type pairing at the very least, I suppose. And then there's Rotom Fan, um, which is um, electric flying. So I think in the electric type Pokemon rant, I brought up this Pokemon, but Rotom has become a pretty conspicuous Pokemon now, actually. I think at one point, there was a lot of confusion about it being like a legendary or mythical pokemon because it got the um it got the music that legendary slash mythical pokemon get in generation four it got that music as part of its encounter in the game it doesn't have wild pokemon music so it has that it shares a theme with other pokemon that are considered legendary mythical rare in general right so there was a lot of confusion over the years whether like rotom is a mythical or legendary pokemon but it actually isn't it's actually a completely normal pokemon and its main gimmick being that it can encompass different appliances and its type changes according to it so its base form is electric ghost but when it possesses different appliances uh it's secondary typing changes from ghost to something else and in the case of rotom fan it becomes electric flying um which i think i've talked about in the case of zapdos is pretty good because like um it's still gonna be weak to all the same things but at least it's not gaining a quad weakness which often happens with the pairing of insert typing here with a flying type because Ice flying has that problem, grass flying has that problem, bug flying has that problem, uh, fire flying has that problem. Like, those are just some examples, right? Um, then, for another unorthodox bird, actually, we have Eveltal, a dark flying type Pokemon introduced in Generation 6. Um, Hobo and Lugia are Generation 2, Rayquaza is Generation 3, Shaman is Generation 4, Rotom is also Generation 4, Eveltal is Generation 6. Um, Eveltal it is shaped like the letter Y. It is the legendary Pokemon assigned to the game Pokemon Y. So it checks out. Um, but I really, really like this Pokemon. It's like a really interesting mix between a Wyvern and a bird. Um, it's got like a, a blend of different like bird-like creatures attributes um, where it's kind of like Lugia where its wings are more like hands. Um, but then its face also has some bird-like qualities, like its head, um, that kind of a thing. But you look at that and it doesn't really remind you of a bird. In fact, it probably would remind you more of a dragon, but not really. It's got this weird, uncanny design where it feels like it's something you know, but you can't quite tell. And I kind of like that because Eveltal is supposed to be this like Pokemon of destruction. It's actually like a destructive force. So if Eveltal wishes it so, it can just destroy like the base word whatever you think of when you think of destruction like if Elto can do that um so it feels very like volatile and stuff um and i guess it's got a pretty unique name too if is really cool its signature move oblivion wing helps it get back health and it's a very powerful flying type move um flying type pokemon uh, I don't think I talked about it when I talked about the examples of moves, but there's a move called Roost, and Roost can get back your health. Here's the problem with Roost, um, which is typically, you know, you may not run into this scenario very much, but the problem with the move Roost is it actually um, uh, removes the ground-type immunity that flying-type Pokémon have for that next turn. So I guess the logic is then when a Pokémon is Roosting, it is now on the ground. Or it's on like like a surface where um it is in contact with the earth type of 
idea, you know what I mean? So then basically on the next turn, and I remember learning this the tough way a while a while ago, a long while ago, but I had I had a Pokemon use Roost, and then right after a Pokemon hit me with Earthquake. And um I was like I'm sorry, how did that hit? Like, I was so confused, but then I realized that that's what happens with the move Roost. So you sacrifice the ground-type immunity in order to get back health. And Roost doesn't, like, get all your health back. It gets a good amount back, don't get me wrong. It's still definitely a move worth having, especially as a way to get back health. And considering that flying-type Pokémon don't tend to be the best defensively, it's not a bad move to run. But you run the risk of now being hit by ground-types, and if we consider fire flying pokemon they are extremely weak to that so it's just not a great time Evelta, on the other hand having a signature move called oblivion wing is super good because you don't actually lose the flying type you know ground immunity in the process of getting back health and oblivion wing gets back quite a bit based off of how much damage it does so so long as you're hitting something that uh flying is super effective against then you're kind of set so i'm like that's pretty cool you know um, so, yeah, Eveltal, super cool legendary Pokemon. Um, I, like, for me, a lot of things don't take hits quite as well as Lugia when it comes to these flying-type examples, but Eveltal, I think, is pretty, is pretty good for it, too. Um, then there's Celesteela introduced in Generation 7. It is one of many Ultra Beasts, so basically these alien-like, uh, legendary-like Pokemon. Um, and it's a steel flying type. Celesteela is the one of the heaviest Pokemon in existence. What is it, like 999 kilograms or something? I forget like the official thing, because I had an episode talking about the... Uh, I have a height episode on Pokemon and a weight episode on Pokemon. I definitely talked about Celesteela there. Celesteela is one of the heaviest Pokemon in existence. It's not the only one to take that title. Um, Celesteela has a very interesting design. It's also like Lugia, where it's quite bulky. But the only reason I don't really group Celesteela with Lugia is because Celesteela, I'm, I mean, you can inf you can probably guess that it would be a flying type because it like levitates. It has these giant disembodied metallic bamboo shoots. It's this very futuristic looking thing. Um, it's humongous, to be fair, but it looks like almost like a rocket ship. And then, again, disembodied, gigantic steel, metallic bamboo shoots that are like rockets themselves uh, floating around its body like arms. So uh, it's got a pretty unorthodox design, but this thing can take a hit. So uh, Celesteela is really good for that, because steel is a great defensive typing, um, I, I believe. Like... There are certain typings that are really good for certain things, like fighting is really good for um, attack, psychic is really good for special attacking, um, and stuff like that. Whereas like steel, I think works really well defensively, um, and uh, a lot of the moves that I think tend to be super effective against flying types are physical. So it's like it's a pretty good pairing for that. And again, steel flying itself is not that unique as explained with a couple other examples we ha have had other pokemon have it but um it's uh yeah it's um celesteel is all right and then to end off the list of kind of these more subversive you know case studies or pokemon examples is a pokemon scarlet uh, and violet example where we've got iron jugulus well i guess this is just a violet example because it is a violet exclusive um but iron jugulus which is a dark flying type so 
From all the Paradox Pokemon introduced, I mean, I think everyone's had a positive reaction to all of them in many ways. I think I don't know that there's really any Paradox Pokemon that everyone is like, I really don't like that Pokemon. I think they all work in their own ways. Like, you don't have to love them, but I think they're pretty interesting. And I thought it was a cool kind of take on giving, giving Pokemon that already exist new forms but treating them as completely separate pokemon because the thing with um the paradox pokemon both the ancient and the futuristic ones is that they kind of are like pseudo legendary pokemon so they have really good base stat totals and they're really strong um iron jugulus is a dark flying type but iron jugulus is based off of hydreigon which is a dark dragon pokemon introduced in generation five so Dark Dragon is a pretty good typing. It's quad weak to fairy, unfortunately, but other than that humongous glaring weakness, it's all right. It's pretty cool. Um, High Dragon is not to be messed with. It can do some really annoying stuff. Iron Jugulus is really interesting because um, uh, it's a bit. It's more robotic. For me, it's a bit more of an aesthetic thing rather than the battle viability of it, but I'm pretty sure that Iron Chuculus has a better base stat total than Hydreigon, because Hydreigon doesn't actually have pseudo-legendary status itself, but Iron Chuculus, I think, has. So, I think it's, um, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I, I like with the Paradox Pokemon in general, because Iron Jugulus represents that for me, just specifically for this episode, because there are other types I need to discuss, and most certainly the Paradox Pokemon will appear in those episodes too. Um, the thing with Iron Jugulus is, let's say in the context of Flying-type Pokemon, I think it's just a really interesting take. I find that with a lot of the Paradox Pokemon, you won't be entirely sure what their types are, and I really like that. Like, not all the futuristic ones are steel types, and not all the ancient ones are, like, rock or fighting or like something you would associate maybe with the past or maybe fire for example fire i'm not entirely sure but like for me my default was kind of that a lot of the futuristic ones like the future paradox pokemon would be steel types but um like iron jugulus could easily be a dark steel type but it isn't it's dark flying um so it doesn't really gain any like quad weaknesses i don't think with dark flying um uh i don't like i i don't think it gains any quad weaknesses or any new weaknesses because of the type pairing um so like it's basically in the same category as a pokemon like a Veltal, right because it's literally the same type pairing dark flying um but iron jugulus is unique because while celesteela and the ultra beasts themselves they are like alien pokemon they definitely come from different universes and timelines and whatnot it's not entirely clear what future iron jugulus comes from though because it's like with the ultra beasts it's like it feels like it can it's still happening within our timeline but like like a modern timeline or something but iron jugulus is from the future so it's like I don't know, there's just something about it where I'm like, you know what, it'd just be really cool to talk about a Paradox Pokemon for the first time in these rants, and I, I admittedly don't have too much to say other than that Iron Jugulus is a pretty cool Pokemon. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So Flying-type Pokemon, really cool. I like them mostly for the birds. I'm a pretty bird-biased person, can't help it. Um, I, like, and even the weird-looking birds, like Eveltal and Lugia, like, they have hands for wings like those are not really wings just hands that they kind of flap around in the air that are that simulate what wings do but they're not wings they're hands like i i i i dig those pokemon too you know they're pretty cool um but yeah that's about it can't believe i'm 
actually like halfway through the no not even halfway there's still 10 more types to cover that'll be fun so this was the lore research last findings on flying type pokemon from the pokemon franchise thanks for tuning in folks and i'll see you next time